You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to another sick episode of the Noise Direction podcast. I am your co-host, Scotty Heath of Tank Crimes Records. With me, as always, is the lovely Matt Bacon. Hey, hey, hey. Coming to you from his new locale in London, England. He is now a lad and I have been assured he's going to watch a match tomorrow with other lads and even enjoy a pint for just a few quid. Got to love the footy. It's like, oh, yeah. I actually like as England, basically England never does well in international tournaments. And so the fact that they got to a quarterfinal is amazing. And we're basically like, if they win tomorrow, it'll be the first time that they got to a semifinal since 1996. Not even like won a championship, but first time in a semifinal in my entire life. Um, I don't care about any of this stuff, but that does not take away from Maddie's fandom and the worldwide enthusiasm. Now, Americans. All I want to say is, Americans if you want to like throw down with Europeans, if you want to throw down with Europeans and know about soccer. Americans know soccer's big in South America and Europe. But I don't think they really realize how big it is because Americans think that like American football is big here, but it's not at all compared to what footy is in Europe and South America. And in the summers when we're over there touring uh, during the World Cup, um, you will be hard pressed to get people to watch your band perform if it is during one of the like final halves or quarters, or especially if it's like down to a goal, which it usually is, um, you will watch. We've, we've moved set times around uh, football games. Yeah. Like, like, the, like the club will be like, you guys shouldn't start until 9.30 because the game's going to go till 9.20. And most clubs will have a TV on, not like an American sports bar style, but like one TV, but everyone will watch and hoot, holler and cheer. And the American bands are like, oh, I guess this is a big deal. And I've been watching that happen for 20 summers. Okay, I want to share- And still never been engaged, but- I want to share my favorite concert soccer memory. Okay. Okay. Let me take you back. Hellfest Summer 2014. Do you like a time travel noise, Scotty? Okay. Can't just take my time travel noise, asshole. I couldn't make it good because I wasn't using my hands because my hands are in my pants. Just in my pockets, but when I did it. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. That was needed. Yeah. Um, Okay. There's a big controversy at Hellfest 
because Iron Maiden is going to be playing at the same time as a match between France and Switzerland. Yeah, now this might not seem like a pressing idea for Americans, but let me assure you. I almost you, didn't watch Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah, and which like, is insane to me, but I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah, and Iron Maiden almost didn't watch Iron Maiden. But what ends up happening, this is the coolest thing ever, is Bruce Dickinson, between songs, comes out and tells us the score. Oh, that is pretty sick. And France... Whoever and, told him to do that was, like, really smart. And, and also, Bruce Dickinson speaks French, because of course he does. So you have, between songs, Bruce Dickinson telling you the score of, a, of the French soccer game in French. And France won 5-0. Yeah, it's come, you know, it's come a long like, way. That's fucking dope. It's come, it's come a, a, a long way or a little bit of a way because of phones, because I've definitely just seen people like in the, on the fest grounds, just watching soccer on their phones. Um, but uh, here's the thing about touring over in Europe in the summer is it, they also have fucking holiday, which we don't have. And everyone goes on fucking holiday the whole time. And a lot of the people that would want to see mine or your bands play uh, are going to spend their holiday at some sort of a festival. So what happens when you go over there, like the, the headlining bands don't play other shows besides the festivals. And the festivals run from Wednesday, some, most times Thursday till Sunday, you know. So a lot of big bands are just chilling out in hotels or in resorts or at lakes and beaches holidaying themselves on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, but uh, other hardworking bands like us, like Municipal Waste, we still try to get a couple small gigs in. And this is where you can see some bands that like we play like way below our normal capacity on a headlining Europe tour, right? On these Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays between festivals, because everyone's just out of town or watching fucking soccer. And so, but it's a good chance for Europeans who can't make it to festivals to catch a band that normally plays, you know, a 1500 cap club or more in the bar where you see your friends' bands play. Yeah, and it's actually kind of fun. Like the first time I saw Napalm Death, I was 16 or 17 and there was like less than 100 people there. Because it was festival season? Yeah, exactly. And it was, and it was a weeknight, like, like, yeah, like a night off. It's, it's really a cool way. Like we've done hundred person bars in Germany and England during soccer festival season. And then we'll go play in front the the, the, the crowd at the next show will be like 80,000. Yeah. So it mixes like it up. Kind of rad. Mixes it up. Yeah. And, and then Scotty uh, has to like hold together Dave Whitty's drum kit. And which is what happened the first time we met. Yeah, and then, well, what's funny is that then we go to shows where there's not even, like, room on stage for our, for our full backline, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll go from a show where they gave us a full backline to one we can't even bring in our rented one, or, like, there's no room for me to get on stage to help, like, shit not get knocked over from stage divers. But we also always do, like, fun stuff on those dates. Like, there was a day in Italy... Uh, two summers ago where we played this small town and this little uh, bar it was, I think it was just called rock bar or something, but um, like there's other stuff, like there's no opening bands sometime. So I juggled, 
I was the opening act. I juggled to warm up the crowd, which was great. And then sometimes in these small clubs, it's great because you can see the bar from the stage, right? So I've done uh, Scotty's bottle service where I'll get a tray from the bartender and then bring up five pints like in the tray. And I of course have a history in food service and hospitality. So I can hold five, well six, cause I need one point for me, can hold six pints on a tray over my head and walk it through a crowd and directly onto the stage and feed my guys and then take one for myself and do a cheers with everybody. It's a lot of fun. So we're we gonna do yeah. a podcast today. Let's just talk about soccer. Let's talk about more shit I don't know about soccer. And I can tell you about things I've done while other Europe while Europeans watch soccer. I have done the following. No, I want to talk about today um, vinyl. What's going on with vinyl? I think anybody who um, pre-orders from bands and labels or anybody who who buys physical merch is well aware that we are uh, well into a, a crucial pressing plant backup. It does not matter where your records are being pressed, uh, though most label, most of the vinyl in the world and in your collection of the last 20 years is out of a pressing plant in the Czech Republic called GZ, GZ. That is where all these- uh, Thank you for being vinyl. inclusive in your Z usage. Did you like that with my Z usage? Yeah. Um, most of the, if, if you Google, you know, how do I make, how do I press a vinyl record? Um, most of the things that are going to come up are actually going to be companies that work as power brokers between you and GZ. Uh, the biggest one, of course, and I don't mind giving this plug at all. They have 110% of my support and have pressed over a hundred records for tank crimes. Pirates Press, right out of the Bay Area, right here in my backyard. They kind of uh, were one of the pioneers of this outsource to GZ because GZ is such a large and powerful uh, manufacturing place that is capable of so much, but without, uh, but it's kind of hard to just like get on their website and order as just like a, a small band or label. The customer service is really lacking and that's really what you're getting uh, from these outsource companies is that they have an in with the plant. Um, so if you're a small label that presses a couple thousand records a year, you don't have a lot of pull with the plant. But when your sales rep from the broker uh, brings them in millions of dollars of sales every year, uh, they pick up the phone when, he, when they call. So that's a good reason to use a broker. There's certainly other uh, pressing plants in the US uh, that you can deal directly with. Um, I find having the broker um, makes it a lot easier to deal with um, for me. So I recommend that, but you find your way. So why is everything so backed up? Pressing usually used to take like two, three months. We're at some plants are quoting nine months turnaround right now. It's insane. So what happened? Well, um, Last year, we had a global pandemic <laughs> that we are still we are go. still in, even though I went to a show last weekend, uh, we are still in a global pandemic. Things just look a lot brighter in many places here in the United States, though not all. Um, so 
a lot of bands pushed their release, you know, for, for a multiple of reasons. We, we've talked on this podcast, Maddie and I saw great success um, releasing records uh, during the pandemic because there was a lot of oxygen there without any tours and without, with all the big bands pushing their stuff, there was a lot of space for us to get a lot of attention. We use that to our advantage. Well, that is behind us. That is not no longer the case. There is tours being booked, uh, tons of press going out with everybody. And it seems like every big band has a new record coming at the end of this year or next year. So on top of everybody pushing their albums to 2021, which surprise to many bands is that their labels are telling them, no, sorry, you, it won't be till 2022 now. Um, was a lot of bands stayed home and they would have been on tour. And instead they wrote and recorded a new album because that's what creative people do. Certainly if it's your livelihood, you wanted to stay active. And that was a great way to do it was to just create more art while you're at home. There's uh, um, so those two things happen. So that's why that's one of the main reasons why we're seeing a backup. There just simply is a lot of new albums and a lot of the artists that shelved their albums are artists that are pressing thousands and thousands of units, uh, not, you know, 307 inches, though there's plenty of those also in the backup. Um, another thing that happened was labels and bands uh, all had super super sales years. I know at Tank Crimes, not only did we have our fastest selling and, and best selling record ever released in 2020, but all of our other records were selling great and the selling back catalog all uh, sold out. And so there's a lot of uh, represses that need to be made. And a lot of record labels that were kind of taking it easy and certainly were ready to tighten their belt and pump the brakes in the pandemic, saw their mail order sales just go through the roof and were hot to get their selling titles back in print. Um, another There's more behind reason. this, by the way. There's more behind this. The other yeah, piece chime to, in, chime in. The other piece to understand is there's a lot of fucked up stuff within manufacturing in general because of global supply chains being broken down by the pandemic. So it's not just like, yes, that there's more demand than ever, you know, especially with vinyl becoming more popular, yada, yada, yada. But a big piece of it is that, you know, it's the same reason shit's becoming more expensive from Amazon, you know, food's becoming more expensive. All these other things are becoming more expensive because globalization is breaking down due to the pandemic, right? So it's harder to get some of these raw supplies uh, that were being developed in other places in the world. So that's also a big thing that's fucking us over. And also, also, you know, like GZ have all the power. So, you know, they can kind of be like, fuck you. Well, it's not that because GZ is the only plant in the world that actually built new equipment over the last five oh, years I know. while everybody I else know. was like restoring it. But now let me tell you about the, the, the different style of demand that we have here in 2021 is that I used to press 900 black LPs, black vinyl, 
and 100 color LPs, but usually just a plain color, what, you know, 100 on red or, or blue, okay? That would be oppressive. Um, now, uh, a, a, a basic pressing, if I do a thousand of a record or 2000, I will probably do three to five different variants of colors, all wacky different splatters and half and halves and side by sides and ABCs and triple threats and fucking uh, backyard bonanzas and hoedown hoot nannies and splitter splatter up all over both sides. Now, here's the thing about vinyl. Only a finite amount of records can be pressed in a day. There's not, it's not like printing where you can load something up and hit the thing and run the machine as fast as possible uh, to, to finish the load. Uh, each record pressed, um, you can look this up on a quick YouTube search. You can watch how a record's pressed, but it's basically a little puck of vinyl. They called it a puck because when records were mostly black, it looks exactly like a hockey puck. And they put that on the press and then the press stamps out your record. Now, um, so if it takes one minute to make a black vinyl LP where you already have the puck ready and you sit it on, if that takes one minute, every vinyl, the ones you want, the ones you mail order freaks want that has two different base colors plus three colors splatter, which is a very common order I make for the mail order versions that probably takes three and a half minutes for every one minute, right? Maybe even more because instead of that one solid puck of vinyl, now the person operating the machine takes two half pucks or two thin pucks, puts them on each other. And then also they kind of like just roll it. The splatter is just like all these little dots of, of the vinyl and picture like, icing uh like if you had a fucking um like a cupcake right and you put the icing on it and you got the sprinkles in a bowl and you just kind of roll the top of it in the sprinkles and now you got a nice coat that's what they're doing that's how they get the 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 splatter on the puck and then put it in so picture the amount of time it takes for the person working the press when they have to do that for each one instead of simply just grabbing a black puck out of a box and putting it on the thing. So that really slows down the plants, but it also really helps sell vinyl, right? So there's not another, there's no way in and out of there. That's what the demand is for. The market has spoken and they want wacky fucking vinyl. So, I mean, I'm going to give it to you. All my, all the labels that are like my homies uh, are all doing that for you um, because they're pay they pay attention. Trust me, we would love to just do a thousand black vinyl press. By the way, it would cost us like in some cases, thousands of dollars less too. But here we are. So understanding that is crucial to understanding why else we're slowed down. Finally, uh, a lot of people blame record store day uh, record store day is what made like the major labels want to make 5,000 fucking, um, 
you know, like Taylor Swift's butthole picture disc, right? Maddie's favorite. And that does, that does slow, uh, that does back things up, right? And a lot of labels um, that don't participate in Record Store Day um, like to blame Record Store Day. They get mad at Record Store Day. Um, I'm kind of, I can't, I can't be mad at Record Store Day for that because here's the thing. Record stores, and I've talked about distribution here. I mean, I think that's a difference. A lot of labels exist. They sell out their whole pressing. If you sell out a whole pressing in your mail order, you don't give a fuck about record stores. Um, I make entire pressings for retail only, so I give very much fucks about record stores. Um, Record stores love Record Store Day. So as a record label, I do not see it fit at all to talk shit on Record Store Day. I can talk shit about some of the things and some of the reasons behind it or whatever, but here's the thing. Record Store Day split up into three different days last year because of the pandemic instead of their normal like one day a year um, because they were, you know, tightening their belt, pumping the brakes, wanting to see what was happening. Each Record Store Day subsequently broke another fucking record for sales. And the one, so I think they're doing two this year as well, which is crazy. Or they started doing like Black Friday record store day. So it is a nonstop thing for record labels to constantly be pumping out stuff. If you want to hit all these record store days, but the records are fucking selling. The record stores are banking on it. And this last record store day, like a month ago, once again, record sales for everyone so the stores love it so you can't blame them you can't really blame record store day any more than you could blame me for having five things on pre-order right now um so unless i can think of another reason that's what's up with vinyl back to maddie yeah so shit's fucked don't bitch about it because it's way more fucked for like a bunch of other people you know, uh, and I think that's really important to realize is that everything is like critically screwed. And I'm um, finding that people are being remarkably patient because everyone gets it because we all experienced the pandemic together. It wasn't yeah. limited to one country or one section or any, any certain, like nothing. Everybody knows what's up. Everybody got it. I feel very fortunate because my fans have always just been so cool like even when i know other brands or labels like even like deal with some bullshit on social media sometimes like i just feel very fortunate i really love i don't know if it's a vibe i put off i don't know if it's if the 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 fans that we attract but i don't deal with a lot of bullshit and uh if you're a bullshit giver to other labels and stuff just please have a little empathy for what we're all going for now I know what I wanted to switch it up to. Now that we've explained that, what can you do in the meantime? Like if you've got a new album and it's going to be 10 months for your vinyl to come out, you kind of should plan around it, you know? Um, so why not bring CDs back? Don't forget how popular tapes are right now. Also, most people are listening to your shit digitally on their phone. So you could find ways right now as a DIY artist to kind of stretch your new release, which I wouldn't always recommend, but this is, this, you gotta, the whole thing about the music industry is you're just constantly adapting and navigating. 
So this is what we're navigating right now. This is what we're adapting. And so I just, for the very first time in the history of the label, did something I never thought I would do, which was set a CD release and an LP release at two months apart from each other. Um, because that I'm just trying it out. But um, what I wanted to say was maybe if you're going to do that, if, if, if the vinyls come in later, uh, please consider somehow deluxing out your tape or CD release, whether that be uh, something as simple as getting nicer packaging or adding uh, something, a, a patch or a sticker a in booklet. there with it, a, a nice booklet. You know, I mean, I don't treat my CDs lesser as releases. I still like to make sure that they have nice big booklets or foldouts and stuff like that. But I'm a, I'm, I'm a jewel case guy. I, I, like, I like just the old jewel case and with, with a little booklet or accordion insert. Um, but on this particular release where I'm doing the CD, I mean, it fits the release, but we went ahead and made this a double CD in a, in a big, uh, you know, triple accordion gatefold um, digipack uh, with an extra panel that holds the 16 page booklet. And by, um, this is by all means a deluxe CD release. We also just, usually CDs are not limited. Well, I mean, everything's limited to how much it sells to. Most CDs, <laughs> probably most CDs that get pressed, get pressed a thousand at a time and don't never sell that thousand, no bigger, Bands and labels sell thousands and thousands and thousands. Um, the CDs are not normally sold as a limited item, but for this particular release, we cut the, we are going to make only 1500, uh, which for the corresponding band is a, is a nice number that we should be able to sell um, on the street day. I, or I will at least, wanna, we'll at least ship them all on the, on the street. I just want to point this out. Even for my vinyl nerd labels, even Prophecy Productions, Ripple Music, yada, yada, you know, like real nerd shit. Those labels, like half their sales are physical sales are still CDs. I and, still do really well with CDs. And for certain eras of band, CDs do especially well. Like um, a, a perfect example is like November's Doom, where it's like a, a band who kind of got big in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know? Yeah, um, that's a band who we thought were going to do well on vinyl, but did much better on CDs. One of the biggest disparities I've ever seen. The record did great, right? And it's also um, one of the best they've ever done, in my opinion, not just because I signed them. No big deal. Um, but uh, just because they're rad, right? And it's like the the type of fans who got into a band who blew up in the late 90s early 2000s are the type of fans who are going to buy a cd you know certain subgenres are very cd focused especially if it's metal focused around a certain time frame you know what and i mean also so um the price point on cds now makes sense to print 500 yeah cds it are used to kind of be like it used to kind of be like for the price break it wasn't really worth it to do less than a thousand because it went up by several dollars, but now it's up by like 50 cents. You can do, I've been doing uh, the CD represses at 500 um, just, just for space issues because they don't sell that fast, you know? Yeah. Um, but but like, they always sell. And so you can do that too. I and, think and like, the price just, point is important. Just the margin on CDs is really good. 
right? Like the margin on CDs, like you're getting fucking, you know, 200 CDs for like $450. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I think that you're, you're at $15 a piece. Well, a and if you want, and if there. you want, what I was going to recommend is then if you want to sell a lot of them, um, go ahead and price that baby at 10 because, and even lower, because what we're seeing now is we're seeing this great, um, you know, for all the talk about tape, re- the, how much the tape industry is like reboomed and stuff. It, I think the tape industry is booming in amount of releases, but most of these releases are still 300 or less tapes, right? There's just a total glutton of them. Um, um, a CD costs less to manufacture than a cassette, but sells yep. for more, but sells for more across the board. Yep. Um, just something to think about when you're making your album budget. Another, another point tied into all this. He, here, are you ready for the... You're going to steal this, Scotty. You're going to love this. Ooh, this break is, it down for me, Maddie. This is the big secret of CDs. A lot of your favorite records, a lot of your favorite classic records are 45 minutes plus because it needs to fit on vinyl. Right? You know, for a record to work, it needs to fit on an LP, which traditionally can hold 22, 23 minutes of music aside. And that's pushing it too. Yeah, but okay. It can be pushed, but that's pushing it. Yes, and there are other ways to kind of go beyond. And yeah, I think we have on Prophecy a 10 he record where there's 27 minutes on a side or something and it actually sounds pretty great. Yeah, I've got a 27 minute side right now. And guess what? It's being recut at the plant because it sounded like shit. And it didn't sound like shit. There was a lot of distortion, which is exactly what the person who cut the vinyl told us was gonna happen. We went through with it and now we're giving it a second run. So if you want success, stay at that 20 minute or below mark though too, you know, but it can be pushed. Yes. Another good reason to have a sales rep who can walk you through a lot of that stuff and communicate directly with the lacquer cutter at the plant. All this being said. um, Here's the Ooh, that CD's got all that space, baby. Exactly, exactly. CDs have 79 minutes. And it doesn't cost you any extra to put more music on it. So like if you are out there and you want to do, I don't fucking know. Maybe you got some live tracks. Maybe the EP EP, you released. You have commentary tracks I've done. Um, You have whatever. You have, fuck it. If your albums are short enough, you just throw two albums on that motherfucker. And you've just added a ton of value. Bonus tracks demos whatever you can hire matt bacon hire matt bacon to do commentary for you yeah exactly i'll just talk i just did commentary on this festival grimfest august 14th check it out that was a fucking trip like dude because i did commentary for like 21 bands like that was really fun i'm actually excited to see what people have to say about it because it was like pretty it was weirdly difficult but it was like really fun to be like the the sport jacket wearing host of a festival you know what i uh-huh. mean it was great um shout out nick grima shout out grimfest check it out uh but uh yeah like you have 79 minutes so take advantage of that 79 minutes you know give your fans a surprise give it an extra th- reason for people to actually want to buy right like it's like oh shit if i buy from this i get their debut ep too wow 
that's really cool. You know, like you just stack up the value and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So, you know, I even do like what we did for a while, like Spotify and Apple Music, we're trying to get you to get, give them like exclusive songs. And so I'd have bands give Spotify and Apple Music like exclusive songs and have those bands only otherwise be available on the CD. There you go. You know, like the CD has the most space of any of these formats. So go throw some weird shit on there and call it a day. You know? And thank you for listening to another great, super informative, infectiously interesting podcast, Noise Direction. My man just learned what alliteration was. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for listening, you guys. Catch you next week. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas, and we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah, each week we're going to ask ourselves and we're going to ask our guests what three favorite things they are into at that moment or in their entire lives. And then we're either going to agree with them or we're going to make fun of them. And uh, you're going to listen to it and you're going to like it or we will make fun of you. How about that? I just flipped it on you, the person listening to this right now. But we're going to do it every week here on the Sound Talent Network. Once again, it's called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah. <laughs>